Danny. Yeah. So, well, by the time this releases, it's after Christmas. Um, but I wanted to okay. share with like the listeners and with you, um, I have purchased you a Christmas present. It won't arrive here on time. So I'm going to use the benefit of the internet to tell you what it is. Um, and then okay. let you react accordingly. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, man. Thanks, John. Dude. No, no. Thank you. Uh, thanks. Thanks for being a, a great friend in a shitty year. Um, so <laughs> say goodbye to the common life because as of 1201 on Christmas Day, 1225, uh, Daniel McDevitt, you become an official Lord of Sealand, uh, which is a country. Uh, so the certificate is in the mail. I opted Wait, for New Zealand. No, no, no. Sealand. It's a small like, oil rig off the coast of England, uh, which is technically is its own like country. Sea world. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like the Florida version, or no, the California version of Sea World. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty okay, <laughs> pretty much. Cool. Um, but yeah, it's it's a little country off the south coast of England called Sealand, which is far enough away from like the English coast that it's its own country. So it can make oh. its own rules. Um, so, yeah, um, I got you the cheapest package. Uh, so you're nice. not a baron. Okay. Yeah, you're just a lord. Oh. Um, there's okay. no idea. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a lord? You, yeah, you are officially, as of Christmas Day, a lord of Sealand. So you can call yourself Lord McDivitt. Um, okay. I, I opted to not get you any land. Um, I opted to not get you the deluxe certificate package or the pocket ID. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like I said, as of Christmas day, uh, it's going to be, uh, John and Lord Danny on uh, mob rules. All right. So wait, one more. Oh, wait, question. wait. Okay. <laughs> Let's go back. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. No, you're good. <laughs> All right. So I'm a Lord of Sealand. Yeah. How do I know? Do I, how do I prove this to anybody? You're getting I'm a certificate. Getting a certificate. The, I'm not getting like a piece of actual no, land. No, no, no. The certificate's coming in the mail. Oh, there's, oh, wow. Yeah, okay. it's, just, it's not going to be Fantastic. here. But you can, like, hang it. It's going to be, your like, your pride and joy, quite obviously. I'm going to stick it right next to my college diploma, John. Oh, yeah. Well, so, originally, I was looking for uh, for fake degrees online to get you a degree in bird law. Um, oh, but yeah. that was, like, $100, which seemed like a lot Holy for a joke. Shit. Yeah. Why, though? Well, I mean, education's expensive, um, whereas, kind of, titles are just inherited, so they're much, much cheaper. Um, that makes sense. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, so yeah, you will have an official certificate. Not the deluxe certificate package, which was signed and framed, um, but the, the regular. Signed by who? The Lord of Sealand, the guy who owns the oil rig. Wait, I'm I'm the Lord of Sealand. Well, he's like king of Sealand. Shit, I don't know how oh, it works. Hey, let, me, okay. let me pull this up here. Because um, if we rank equally, I'm going to depose him for sure. Oh, oh hell yeah. Um, while, I, while I look this up, let's play some intro music and then we'll come back. Okay, so Sealand has its own uh, YouTube channel. Um, really? So, yeah, during the Second World War, the British government built several fortresses uh, in the North Sea to defend its coast from German invaders. Um, some of these forts were built illegally in international wa waters, and one of these illegal fortresses, um, situated slightly north of the River Thames in London and east coast of the United Kingdom, 
uh, has become a sovereign territory of from the UK, seven nautical miles from the coast. Um, they were abandoned in the 50s because they were legal. <laughs> um, sure. uh, but yeah, Fort Ruff's Tower is, from a legal point of view, con- constituted an extra national territory. So it's its own place. Uh, lots of people have challenged it. Uh, oh, it's a prince. Uh, it's it's run by a prince, which is, is oh, higher okay. than a lord. Um, but there's pictures of it online. It's essentially a platform on top of two cement pillars in the middle of the ocean. I see that. Yeah, I googled it. You googled it. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. My, my man, you're you're a lord of there now. So start wrapping your stuff. I'm I'm gonna get a flag. <laughs> Hell is that yeah. just a dive flag? <laughs> <laughs> I think it might be. I don't know. Probably. I mean, should <laughs> yeah, have I probably. bought my own like island off the coast of England? I would get a flag. Hey, have you Googled this Prince of Sealand? <laughs> <laughs> I have not. No. You should definitely do it because there's like a picture of him driving with Sealand behind him on like an inflatable boat with like the biggest shit eating grin on his face. Like, oh yeah, a good. It's a great picture, dude. That's that's exactly what I would expect that guy to look like. <laughs> yeah. You fucking idiots. <laughs> Pay me to make yourselves lords of this imaginary thing. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, dude. Yeah. Could you imagine if you had like a get together and it was just like the millions of people around the world? <laughs> just, <laughs> we're stupid enough to send him money so he could keep himself in inflatable boats and concrete. His name's Roy Bates. He's your liege now. Nice. Uh, yeah, I've given, I've given I, your life structure. I owe him my loyalty. <laughs> yeah, whether you because some dick bought it for you. Um, Sorry, America. I'm uh, done. Uh, that's okay. I'm a Sealander now. <laughs> you're you're a man of the sea, a sea man, uh, if you will. Um, but Danny, I believe this is a 40k podcast. Um, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> this is a bumper packed episode, which we in no way recorded out of order. Uh, but a little later on here. Uh, Innes, uh, one of our friends and uh, captain of Team Scotland uh, for the WTC and just an amazing 40k player and a really great personality comes on to talk to us about WTC and we have like a really nice hour long conversation with him about that and it was actually a, a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah, um, it, it was a great time. I'm, I'm always glad to get to talk to him. He's, a, he's an okay person. He, he yeah, definitely the most okayest person uh, that's, yep. that's around uh, possibly, uh, maybe. Um, but from an Alaskan point of view, Danny, uh, it's been a couple of weeks. What have you been up to 40K wise? In fact, a little inside baseball, it's only been like a week. <laughs> if we pretend like it's been two weeks, what have you been up to? Uh, let's see. I played a couple of games of Tabletop Simulator, um, which I got to play with my Necrons. Those were super fun. Um, uh, I managed to pull both of them out. That was pretty cool against some really great players but both the games were like pretty tight um which is always always a lot of fun to play yeah so um, what was the kind of cause you to have that success like well what, what do you think was kind of the thing with your list because what was it the same list you were running for both games yeah i, I this is i've played this list about four times now um so uh i like it pretty well it kind of focuses around the silent king and a bunch of core units um but it's also very different than the list that I I started playing in ninth edition with all the warriors. Like it has no warriors in it at all. Um, but it has a lot of scarabs and it's all objective secured. So it's good at just kind of sitting on objectives and kind of 
not letting your opponent score very many points. Nice. And what did you play against? Uh, I played against Blood Angels, um, which was like a, a pretty hard-hitting army. Could pick a couple of big units of Sanguinary Guard, big unit of Plasma Inceptors, um, some Vanguard Veterans, some Blade Guard, that kind of stuff, uh, with some pretty heady characters. Uh, and I was able to do decently on some saves for the Silent King, and he managed to tank a whole squad of Sanguinary Guard, and then that kind of made my opponent's uh, plan kind of fall apart. So uh, I managed to do pretty well in that game. And then uh, the other game was against Tyranids, and uh, he brought uh, three barbed Hyroduels. Oh, the new Tyranid um, Forge World Hotness, right? Right, yeah. Man, those guys are awesome. Like, what a great unit, especially Yormigunder. So they get the uh, they get a 2-plus armor save with cover, as long as they don't advance or charge. Oh, nice. Yeah, so, yeah. So they have a 1-plus, um, which makes them really durable. Um, <laughs> it's weird the giant it, toughness 8 monsters with 1-up saves are really good. Yeah, no, yeah, it turns out, actually. Turns out, shockingly, yeah. Shockingly, if you will. Shocking. Um, yeah, and then there's, uh, uh, since he's Yormingunder, like the Malanthrope that hangs around them to give them minus one to hit, too, because, you know, um, also gives them ignore cover, because that's their Warlord trait, they give it, like, an aura of ignores cover, so, yeah. they, man, that was a, that was a good build, um, uh, but I managed to pull that one out, like, almost purely on the backs of how good Scarabs are. Oh, they're um, so stupid. God, I hate them. <laughs> they're really good, man. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, so your scarabs f like caused a list built around like 700 points of one up save toughness, eight forge world, former super heavies by just being small and fucking irritating. Uh, yeah, just, they were untied uh, cool plays, you know, you know, cool stuff. So no, not to take away from anything you did like skill wise no. or movement wise or position wise, but man. <laughs> It must feel really well. I guess on the plus side, it was a tabletop simulator game, so the guy right. doesn't have to feel bad about like sinking five six hundred dollars in these giant models to be <laughs> outdone by tiny, not even multi piece kits, like one fucking piece per scarab kit. Well, they're they're two pieces. Oh god! <laughs> Excuse yeah. me, I'm so sorry. <laughs> How dare I? I know. Jeez, John, just get it right. Well, actually, okay, some of them are two pieces, some of them are one piece. So you're par you're you're partially correct. Always. It's what I do. Um, <laughs> uh yeah, well, I mean, it's just, you know, 40k is about the mission, not necessarily how good you can kill stuff. So um just being concentrated on that and making sure that you're uh that you're able to outscore your opponent is really what counts. And like he beat me down really hard. Like I lost almost my whole army. Um uh, like he still had one of his hyro duels left and uh, a bunch of ripper swarms on objectives and things like that. Whereas I just, I had like two death marks, a squad of uh, uh, one unit of nine scarabs and a unit of four scarabs and a doom stalker. And that was like all that was left out of my 2000 point army. So like maybe five or 600 points. Maybe that's just kind of like one of the great things about ninth edition, to be honest, is like you can have your entire army destroyed, but if you're playing to the mission, you still end up winning. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's yeah. super great. Uh, did you get up into any hobbying in the past couple of weeks? Uh, no, uh, my like physical uh, downtime has been spent doing, well, I guess this is hobby related. 
Uh, I've been doing organizations, so I've almost cleared out the whole game room that I've been working on, um, and I'm almost done sorting everything. So soon it will all be packed up in boxes, and I can figure out what I want to do with it from there. Dude, that's awesome. It's such a good feeling yeah. like when everything is like just organized again. Yeah, it'll be great. I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, fantastic. Uh, well, I have done very little. <laughs> I got my, uh, my, my, um, my case in the, the, um, with a show called what company is that that makes that case? The, um, with the magnetic shelves on the inside. Oh, battle foam. Yeah. Yeah. I got my battle foam case in, uh, with the magnetic nice. shelves. Um, so I've started kind of pulling out my, uh, corn army to kind of magnetize the bases for those so I can transport those guys about. Cause I think, um, that's what I'm going to be running for, for a while. Um, just cause like I said, okay. I, I really, I, I believe in it, which it might not be the best. Um, <laughs> but I really believe in it. And then honestly for my death guard, like I have so much painted death guard that it's very little that I have to invest to actually make it right. I think I'll probably end up picking up a couple of the, uh, plague furnace things that are coming out. Um, oh yeah, because dude, just when it came out with the minus one toughness aura as as the leak for Death Guard, and how those fortifications have max aura at all times, and you can deploy them twelve inches away from your opponent's deployment zone, like is that a so it's a a, 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 a nine inch aura? It's a nine inch nine inch nine inch aura of minus one toughness. So currently, I'm kind of like obviously points dependent, but like if I just take two of those in a fortification detachment, that like pretty much covers the entire table in a minus one toughness from turn one, um, which just, yeah. yeah. So it's like, very good. I think for like a hundred points a piece, I think that's a really good investment um, because people are going to be like, and then you can still do like small squads of Pollux walkers to grab objectives and things like that because you're just trying to distract. Um, but again, still not a huge amount for me to have to put money or time into to, to make that army work. Cause everything else, right. Pretty much you already have. have everything. Yeah. Um, aside from like those two things, which are like, oh, let's do metal and like, like booger paint on top of it, and we're good to go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that is a uh, you. You heard to hear, folks. John is starting up a a painting coaching service. Hell yeah! Um, for just his metal colors and booger paint. Just, just fucking be, don't be bad. That's that's my painting <laughs> service. Like, uh, um, hint right there. It's the mob rules theme, yeah. Yeah, stop, just stop painting poorly. Yeah, <laughs> Danny's Danny's uh gaming coaching service is just don't be bad, um, <laughs> and then my painting service is just just don't be bad. It works out so well, um, and then I've uh, spent the past week kind of reaching out to some of our friends, uh, to see who wants to come on and kind of talk to us about stuff. So that's been super nice. fun too. And so far, no one said no. So it's going to be a really exciting, I think, first couple months here, um, until people realize that we're just really shitty people. Um, <laughs> and then it's going to be hard and we're going to have to pivot away <laughs> um yeah but we're used to we're used to a couple of good pivots that's fine yeah pivot every year or so you know when you've been going around for about five years is pretty good to do um and then oh i built all my furies um well i have about 15 left to base um but i've been using so the the beasts of chaos box from Warcry has obviously like the six furies and then six raptorics which i have converted to use to furies uh and i've just drilled into those and put them on pretty much like homemade flying stands uh, to give them the same outline as a fury so i don't have to buy like 500 dollars worth of these boxes and just leave the, all the raptorics lying around and i think they, they turned out really good 
They oh, look good. Yeah. I like the way they look. Um, and they have the same, like, my main thing is I wanted to have, like, the same silhouette, and it does. And it just looks like they're, like, swooping down and attacking and doing all kinds of fun stuff. Um, so that was a pain in the ass. I was actually talking to you online while I was drilling stuff. And, like, just yeah. chaos models, spikes everywhere. So, like, I have, like, my giant DeWalt drill that I'm draw- drilling, like, eighth of an inch holes into these models. And to be able to, like, hold it securely, I'm, like, holding the model so tightly. I'm actually, I think I drew blood on one finger. Um, because the Raptrixes are like covered in tiny spikes for literally no reason. It's, it's the worst. I got to say well, chaos. That's the reason, right? <laughs> yeah. Chaos. That, that's like the number. That's all you need to know is like, that is the reason for it, for it being just a giant pain in the ass. Um, obviously corn is just trying to anoint you. So like, Get you going with this with this army. He's like, all right. If I do this, maybe he'll be even more enthused about about his corn army. Yeah, and and then outside of that, I mean, a really surprising thing happened this week where my wife was like, "Hey, is there a model you want from the local store that we can put under the tree for you from like Santa?" Um, and this was like the first year I was like, "Not really." If I'm, if I'm being like perfectly honest with you, and it was like a weird response to give, and like my wife was almost like taken aback. That I didn't want like some random shit bought, but I'm like, yeah, I just, <sighs> I have like looking at my 182 models I got to paint. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to add to that pile of quite just yet. Yeah. Maybe Santa does IOUs. <laughs> yeah. Get, get, ask for a gift certificate instead. <laughs> oh, heck, that's a really good idea. Actually, I'll probably do that because then the death card stuff comes out. Um, yep. that'll, that'll save me there. Um, but yeah, we're going to take a quick break and then when we come back, we're going to touch real briefly on a whole lot of FAQs that kind of drop down, um, and then get to the main event. So we'll be right back. Do you have multiple, a standard bolt gun having trouble maintaining an acceptable Xenos kill count only barely over two meters tall. Maybe it's time to ask your Lieutenant if the Rubicon Primaris is right for you. The Rubicon Primaris is a prescription process that helps you to update that tired look. You may notice an increase in your purging abilities after two to, within two to four hours. You may experience loss of life, additional organs, and a points increase. Do not take the Rubicon if you plan on fitting into rhinos, drop pods, or other traditional vehicles. The Rubicon Primaris is not intended for second founding chapters. The Rubicon Primaris is for use on genetically enhanced super soldiers over the age of 800 only. You are encouraged to report negative side effects to your company's apothecary. The Rubicon Primaris. Because sometimes plot armor is just not enough. And hey, well, that's a flawless edit on that effort, by the way. Um, I don't yeah, know. I can, it was seamless. I, I didn't even know you did it. I know you can't even tell where I did it. Uh, before we jump into the FAQ part, real quick, we're just going to do some... <laughs> I'll blow a hole in you with my... Corrections and omissions. Turns out, Danny, I made a couple mistakes. And that's oh. okay. We're going to point these out right now. Um... So going through our YouTube comments, which is how most of these corrections and omissions come up here. Um, okay. We have, um, <clears throat> last uh, episode I was bemoaning, or because my corn list that I'm in love with so much is now 40 points over, because the GW app um, had more expensive banners and musicians. 
to which the reply was, actually, John, the points in Battlescribe are right and the Warhammer app is wrong. The points are 15, the banners are 15 points, like Danny said, and as BS has them. Page 28 in, of 9th edition, chapter approved. I don't use the app, so I can't check if you read it, they're wrong. Also, I wouldn't compare the two apps equally, especially when it comes to bugs and mistakes. One of them charges 0.00 after all and requires no subscription to continue using. It's hard to criticize a product that doesn't charge you. If I am paying to access a service, no matter how small an amount, it should meet the standards that is promised when advertising. The GW app has been out for months now, and when it probably shouldn't have actually released until next year, when it might have actually been ready without needing paying customers to beta test for it. Um, there's a couple things there. Uh, one, yeah, the points were wrong in the app, and they're fixed now, which is super good. Um, and then as a, a shitty podcast for the Patreon that I'm just going to not touch on the rest of that at all. We're just going to kind of move on and pretend that that part didn't happen. Oh, okay. Uh, you want to add to that, Danny? Uh, nope. I mean, yeah, some stuff, some stuff just, uh, takes some time to get fixed, especially when they're trying to start something new. I, I have to say, I've had a lot of fun with the army builder app. Uh, the, the battle I'm Fortune. a big fan. I uh, really like it. I really like it. So a couple of things really irritated me. Um, all my list got deleted after an update and I had about, yeah, I really, that was, that was not good. That was, um, that was a bad move. That was a bad, that made me sad. Um, I did upload my list to Twitter to share, to try and win my dream army. It was a 2000 point list that it was a, uh, a spoiled pox Scrivener and then a thousand dollars worth of beasts of Nurgle to try and round up my collection. <laughs> um i should is that is that over i should do that just do that yeah 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 so you're gonna put out on twitter or instagram um and just it's up to a thousand dollars is the limit for the army which is why i have 1020 summoning points in my army um but yeah (laughs) share it out there um the next correction i have uh, was from a week ago it's from our hot takes when i kind of went through the imperial armor compendium and we kind of had to look at the the forge world units um wow you suck at pronouncing stuff. A lot of well-known stuff, too. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, I just think that they couldn't understand you through your thick Scottish accent, clearly. That's fair, Denny. It really, that, that's a fair way to look at it. Um, I will point out that the person who commented on this, Justin Lay, uh, thank you for your comment. Uh, you <laughs> used the wrong version of two in your, um, in your comment. So you, you suck at writing stuff. A lot of well-known stuff, too. And I used the wrong two oh, there to make man. you feel better. Uh, <laughs> John Q, winning over the, winning over the fans. <laughs> Hell yeah. And another one from our hot takes, uh, Imperial Armor Compendium, that I can throw oh. by myself. Uh, why you came here? <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't know, John. Why, why did you come here? Can you tell everybody? No, no, I just, okay. I, I can't. I just I get real Charlie Kelly vibes on that one. Um, and then just one more here from have our episode one forty eight. Happy Thanksgiving, and we talked a lot about Scarbrand and how he's just awful as a fluff character. Uh, Kenneth, a wonderful listener, here said, "I was yelling at the podcast, which is always a good sign when we make people literally yell at their phones." Yeah, I like that. He probably scared someone on the bus like a lot. Um. But he was, he was yelling at the podcast that eight days was because that is the God's number. Got to keep your grim dark dark enough. 
To which I respond, uh, time is meaningless in the warp. Try again. <laughs> uh, also, uh, apparently Dark Hour patrol thing was fixed in an FAQ back close to when Ninth came out. So that was another mistake that I made there. But that, yeah, oh. that was all of our uh, corrections and omissions. So, yeah, let's just play the sweet bump because uh, people don't correct me enough. I'll blow a hole in you with my... Corrections and omissions. Oh, I thought there was more after that. Never mind. Yeah, um, I'm really glad that you were able to uh, have so have correct some slights against you on the air. <laughs> hell yeah! And I did it in the most open and positive way possible. Yeah, um, dude. nice work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you have corrections on omissions um, against anything I say, because apparently you know Danny never gets things wrong, uh, <laughs> comment on YouTube uh, on our Facebook page. Let us know. Um, it always gives me great joy, uh, to read when I am very dumb. Um, but, uh, the thing we're going to talk about first, uh, there was some FAQs that came down this week. GW has a revised FAQ schedule since ninth edition came out. Thanks to COVID, uh, where four weeks after a book comes out, uh, they do the FAQ. So yep. this past couple of weeks, we've seen FAQs for Space Wolves, for Death Watch, and for the Imperial Armor, <laughs> Imperial Armor Compendium. Uh, so, Danny, why don't you take us through some of the stuff that we saw that some like major changes? So, Imperial Armor was super significant for Death Guard. And Hell yeah, it was. Thousand sons. Do yeah. you know how hard it was to root through my trash can for those drills and dreadnoughts? Because <laughs> I know that you, as soon as you read that, you immediately just threw them in the trash. Hell yeah. <laughs> can I just share um, how excited I am as a Death Guard player that Derradeos, sure, it's going to cost me a command point to take them, but they're built-in minus one damage possibly added to disgustingly resilience minus one damage makes yeah. me very excited yeah that's uh that, that's going to be a weird interaction it'll be interesting to see how that how that plays out that's minus two damage would be uh very powerful yeah um, especially like honestly like i don't know about derradeo I'm thinking like a Leviathan Treadnought with uh, like double close combat weapons. Well, what's crazy is people were going, because yeah, minus one toughness aura too, right? But like people were going on about how broken the bro the Leviathan list was, which was like minus one damage, all this other stuff. And then they see like the possibility of Death Guard Dreads now and they're like, oh, it's fine. I'm like, no, that's, it's that's Minus two damage would be really bad. I would I would not want to see that. I mean, I guess okay. So I'd want to play against it, but that sounds pretty busted. So what sounds Especially busted? Something with toughness eight or something like if that. If you like have a Death Guard Leviathan going into close combat with, uh, say, like a Marine squad with Thunder Hammers, um, first those Marines are minus one toughness now, so that's guys wounding on twos regardless of any other shit that's going on. It's going to be very very hard for you to make a wound on threes. And then second, every single Thunderhammer hit that goes through only does yeah. two damage. And that's that's so bad. Yeah. I mean, taking three down to one would be very bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Well, we'll see. I, I don't know. I don't want to, like, say, oh, that's the most broken thing in the game or anything. Well, but that's I, like... And here's yeah, the, I just, I just doesn't sink or jive with kind of the balance that I see right um, that they're doing right now. So, and then I guess we'll see because, um, like they've done a pretty good job of catching a lot of these interactions, and we've only got like a, a very small amount of Death Guard info. So, I mean, I can see them doing something like, um, 
you know, disgustingly resilient, like the, the rule where you can give anything disgustingly resilient the stratagem, they could do like uh, nothing over 10 wounds. And that yeah. solves that like really easily. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I think everything is going to be on data sheets, but I don't know. This is all baseless speculation, right? Oh, like, I, I, I got a thing for that too. Baseless speculation. Yeah. We should have brought to you by Spiky Bits. We should have queued that up first. Probably. Uh, um, anyway, that was pretty much the, like, there was a couple of other things in the Imperial Armor uh, compendium FAQ, but nothing nothing that's like a super huge big deal or, or No, anything. I think the biggest deal was just Thousand Sons and Death Guard getting access to the Chaos uh, inventory of, of things again. Yeah, yeah, big deal for both of those armies. Because, like, Thousand Sons need the fire support, and Death Guard want the transport really bad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and their Dreadnoughts are, will be good and probably are good right now. Um, just, well, they were they were better before. Anyway, so we'll see how that works out. Um, it'll be it'll be really, I can't wait to see the Death Guard book. Like, that's my, that's the book I'm the most excited about seeing right now. Just because it's going to tell you so much about what Chaos is about. It's going right, to tell you, like, exactly. how demons work how stuff like death to the false emperor is going to work um it's well, if they even have demons in the book they might be gone yeah which so like yeah. it's it's a huge deal and i i'm surprised people are making a bigger deal about like death guard coming out yeah um death watch well what kind of yeah. significant things happened there uh mostly i think they wrote it to make kevin angry yeah um, yeah kevin who was on a couple episodes ago talking about his love for death watch he did a really shitty trick where he would combat squad some bikers so they still had the infantry <laughs> keyword. Really hope they didn't yeah. figure out that that was just a really shitty trick. Plus, it was also like just a unit of five out, like outriders is really tough to get rid of. Like they're very annoying and have like a million attacks. Um, yeah, uh, so it was probably not the way that it was intended to be that they got the inventory keyword. So they got to like move through walls or climb up to second levels, <laughs> like ride the fucking ghost rider around. I just have them um, like, imagine them listening to that guns and roses song from like Terminator two, just like driving their dirt bikes, like everywhere they want to. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, they changed around some points values and some power ratings on some of the different characters. So like, I was pretty impressed that they were already adding uh, like new, they were taking away options and adding options to things that were in there. And then they also adjusted the points of the different kill teams as well. Um, and like, yeah. Uh, and the mostly, but this one is a big one. It's like two pages. It's like, it's a, or it's three pages long total, but it's like a lot of information that they changed right off the bat. That's pretty surprising. Yeah. Um, it was to me like for a codex that, or for a supplement that just came out. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then anyway. space wolves. Yeah. And space wolves, uh, not much on space wolves. This was kind of a, a lighter, uh, FAQ with only four items. Um, it's, uh, it kind of FAQ, FAQ. So yes, can't like Canis Wolfborn's attacks get, he like gets extra attacks onto the big wolves. Like, of course he does. And like some of the missing little pieces, like to wolf guard battle leaders, um and uh like the blood claws and and great hunters and long things like the terminator sergeants that they could get 
they didn't print that they got a five up invulnerable save. So like adding stuff like that. So it was really kind of a, like a, uh, changing rules as intended to rules as written kind of situation for that space yeah, book, right? Yeah, like oh, hey, we missed a couple of things. Let's throw this in here. Amazing. Like I say, I think it was really good and well done. It was a a good indication for the future that a lot of stuff was changed that we thought it was. There was a couple of things that were missed uh, that were weird. Um, they, they were missed, but for the most part, like when it was like there's points changes, when there's um, like quality of life changes, when there's just all of the stuff they did, it's, it's a really good showing for the future. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so, yeah, very, very exciting. Um, but with that, we're going to take another break and then we're going to when we come back, we're going to talk to uh, Innes about WTC and man if you were expecting a lot of jokes I'm sorry it was just really great chat about WTC um and how like honestly Danny like as soon as the world stops burning uh we're gonna be running a, a WTC three man um man that sounds awesome and just because it sounds so much fun it's so much depth but who's better to talk about it than us uh maybe the guy who's actually the leader of a country front so we'll be right back uh with Innes do you like cookies but want something more British Buy biscuits, not like those you have for gravy. British biscuits, for dunking in your British tea. Stiff upper lip guaranteed. Biscuits, as recommended by Queen Liz of the Britons. Okay, uh, and we're back. And what a great segment we just uh, recorded about Imperial Armor FAQ. And now that, that we're here live, continually recording the whole time and not doing segments out of order. Absolutely uh, not. Absolutely not. No, no, Danny and I would never lie to you. Uh, Danny singularly probably would, but that's fine. Um, but we want to sure. welcome uh, to the podcast, uh, first time listener, long time uh, insider. Um, he is, I guess, a professional player and a pro professor of math i guess i i think ennis i'm just gonna ruin this right here wow when i These are both both not true things <laughs> when i <laughs> not even one thing you just said was true <laughs> you immediately ruined the thing you where you told everyone you weren't gonna lie you just lied so much well to be fair anytime i have a math-based question about what odds do i have of hitting this thing with this thing ennis is the first name that i think 50 of. 50 right uh, yeah, all the time. That's right. Orc boy shooting into things in cover 50 50 every time. Um, we have, yeah, Innes, uh, who is left out of just sheer rage for the whole thing. <laughs> um, He's just a mad person. <laughs> always back now. Um, but yeah, uh, so we brought Innes on because recently Danny and I have got super, super interested about not ITC, but if you look further down the alphabet, WTC, um, which stands we'll for... We'll skip M, we'll skip N, Yep. no P's, we're all about the W. Yeah, there's no STs, no V, there. there's the no V at all, all W. Make sure we're at the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it used to be ZTC, but his blood has grown since then. Um, oh, nobody, nobody could remember that one, nobody remembered what Z stood for. <laughs> we had everybody pronouncing it wrong like some people were pronouncing it ztc some people were pronouncing ztc there's just too much to deal with uh, and who even has time for that but yeah D uh, wtc is the world team championship um 
uh, it did itself described as the premier event of Warhammer 40k, uh, where nations from all across the world come to compete as national teams to be crowned as Warhammer champion or as world champions. Um, unlike American sports, it's actually inviting the rest of the world to a world championship. So that's super interesting to me here too. Um, but it takes the you guys count sometimes. <laughs> it takes the team format and it kind of adds a whole bunch of different layers and it really is kind of like a new way to play. So we wanted to bring in Innis, who, if you couldn't tell from either the name or the accent, is a member of Team Scotland and not just a member of Team Scotland, um, but the Palpatine Emperor equivalent of Team Scotland as Team quote-unquote Captain. Um, to kind of talk to us about WTC, just about himself, and we're going to make him as uncomfortable as possible. Um, as is my goal, as he simultaneously tries to get me to sound more and more Scottish as the episode progresses. Well, I mean, it's already started. It, it has. It's pretty no bad. Yeah, there, there's, there's no. I'm way. just going to go on record here and say that this interview is at least 50 percent based on the fact that John just wanted to talk to somebody else from Scotland. <laughs> no, because well, <laughs> like my accent goes away because I like blending in. Um, but if I talk to another person from, it doesn't even have to be Scotland, it has to be Britain. Um, or if I drink, or if I'm angry, my accent comes out. I'm two of those three things right now. Um, so, and so we're going to get the third <laughs> on the go. We're going to get you super angry. <laughs> we're going to get me super angry. Um, but yeah, I guess, Innes, tell me about what is, so for all of our listeners, where we've just been kind of promoting ITC for the past five years, and like that's all Danny and I play, what are kind of the, the main differences uh, between ITC WTC, because to me, they're 66 and uh, two-thirds the same thing. Yeah, so broadly, we all play, we all still play the same missions, so there's, you're not going to go into a WTC game or a WTC format game and be, like, super put out. We're still playing, like, your priority targets and your frontline assault and all that stuff. Um, the main differences are going to come up from the way that we handle the team format and the way that we do scoring specifically. Uh, so to start with the team format, it's teams of eight players. Uh, usually, if you're running like an independent independent event, you might see teams of four or six or five or whatever works for your area. But for the eight-man teams, you're looking at a maximum of one of each army per team. So if we've got an eight-man team, you might have, for example, one Space Marine player at most, one Grey Knight player, one Chaos Space Marine player, and you go on through the line and you can't duplicate any armies. So that includes things like if you bring... Yunari, if you included Dark Eldar in your Yunari army, you couldn't take Dark Eldar as a source elsewhere. And that's the main way that we sort of, we run down the line of saying this is how you have a team of 40k players, and then all of your individual scores contribute. So you couldn't just have we have this White Scars list that we really like, seven of our players are going to bring that, and one guy's going to bring the other most broken thing in Eldar, let's say, for example. I was going to say, I think there's like a bunch of people listening in Florida that are getting really kind of defensive about Leviathans and taking that to a tournament <laughs> at that point with that thing there. So no, I mean, they can feel as defensive as they want. <laughs> because that's how that army plays. Uh, but uh, so you have these teams with like eight completely different armies because that's the way the format has to be. Um, so is it just players that you have on your team? like, Or kind of how does the team format in general work? Yeah, so very basically a team is eight players, including a captain or not including a captain, depending if the captain is good enough to play or not. Uh, hopefully I am, some captains aren't. It's just the way things go. You can't always be good at just because you organize things. Um, then you might have coaches on top of that, and the coach's job is kind of to go through, help you with the pairings process, and to also keep up to date on what's going on through the games. I'm not commenting on that. Um, 
So like these, like these, like when you say pairings, so how, how are pairings a sign for this? Cause I know for me, when I go to a tournament, uh, I enter my details into Basquist pairings. I wait eight to 12 hours for the results to come out and I find out where my table's going to be. Like what's different for WTC? Well, you don't find out straight away. You find out in three or four hours. Um, <laughs> so the pairings process, when we say it for a team event is very different from how you might know it for a traditional singles event where a big list goes up and that's who you're playing. What we have for that is we get that on a team level. So you might rock up to round one and find out Team Scotland is playing against uh, Team Denmark in round one. And then what happens is we get the, we get this big list document which has all of the 30 to 40 teams and each of their eight lists. And we'll sit and we'll go through it and we'll be like, okay, this is the eight list for Denmark. Uh, and then we'll go and we will go and sit down with Denmark on the day and we will do what's called the pairings process. To put it in very basic terms, this is how we determine which of our eight players are playing their eight players. And you go through a process of attacking and defending where each team puts down one of their eight lists and then the other team picks two of their players to give as an option for that list to play against. The player from, so for example, Scotland would put down their Space Marine list. Denmark would look at that and go, okay, we want that to play against either our Harlequins or our Imperial Knights. Our Space Marine player would then look at that, those two, and say, okay, of those two, I would prefer to play against the Harlequins, and I would like to play on this board. So there are eight boards as well, with varying, degree, with varying terrain setups from a fairly heavy board to a fairly light board. And the player who picks from the two armies then picks a board, and then they go off. And then that army and that board are removed from the pool, and you repeat the process until all eight, all eight have been assigned. There's some slight nuances to it at the end, where like the last two armies that are not assigned to a game get put on the last remaining table, just for example. And that's kind of how you go through the process sure. of assigning players to matchups. And it's very much the, the meta game of the tournament is how good are how good your team at pairings, how do your lists do at pairings, and it's where the whole the layer of tactics and nuance comes to it, where you can decide to build armies that are very good at specific things because you can avoid them bad matchups and pairings or specifically go for good matchups. No, I have to say, like, that sounds like a, like a shitload of fun, if I'm being honest with you. It's kind of like laying down and, like, maybe, like, you throw, like, say, if, like, we had, like, a weird, like, Team Alaska, like, we throw Danny to the Wolves because we, he might be able to throw it out, but that Thanks, takes, man. we take that army, like, out of contention. Um, and something I didn't realize until you said is, like, the, the actual player has a choice. So, like, if we put Danny down and say he throws two armies against him, we're like, well, shit, I don't want to face that. So we're going to put that there. But it's like there's an yeah. awful lot of, like, synergy and teamwork. So is there ever kind of a situation where, like, someone be like, I really don't want to play against this, but I will to kind of get it out of the way? Or, or kind of like... Yeah, definitely. That's one of the big sort of metagame things that you have is that we will build lists that are specifically designed to go and get draws off of the horse list in the game. So you might have, so for example, right now, White Scars are one of the best things going. We might build a list that is just specifically designed to, if we put this into White Scars, it's not getting more than a 10-10 draw, or a 12-8 or an 8-12, whatever, like within that band of reasonable for a loss. And we'll say, okay, you are going to go and play against all of our opponent's Space players, and we do not expect you to win a single goddamn game, but nobody else has to play against White Scars. Um, and then you also, that that's kind of, uh, that you can build for those draws, or you can also go with what's called we call bossing, which is basically we know you can't beat this, but neither can anyone else, and you don't have any other good matchup, so you go play this. <laughs> and that's where like you've you've brought that weird experimental like random list that doesn't quite do what you thought it was going to do when you built it. That guy gets to go and play six of the hard, six or eight of the hardest games of his life to go and scrape home five points, and if he brings home one point in a game, you're proud of him because his list sucks. Like just a bunch of skull <laughs> altars and shit, right? <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You rock up. You've got you've got six skull altars and three three bloodthirsters. It's like John. All we need from you is we're going to put you into the worst possible matchup. Sit in a corner, score us one point, and we'll be proud of you. Man, that's so good. So how as so as as new new captain of Team Scotland for twenty twenty, um, how have you guys been doing at four WTC so far? Like like where where do you guys rank in quality compared to everyone else? So that's a difficult question. We have a a rough history with scoring well. Um, if you look up the for we used to be the ETC before we split off into just being the 40k event this year. So Drama. we used to be alongside like Age of Sigmar it. and Ninth Age and all that stuff. Ninth Age, no one's heard of. Sorry. Um, so if you look at our results from the past few years, there we start off really strong. In like 2016, we came tenth, and then in 2017, we came like. 23rd, 23rd, and then in 2018 we came third, and then last year we came like 26th. <laughs> that was like a roller coaster so, of emotion, right? Yeah. Here. Um, the normal trick used to be that you would look up wherever America came, and we were within two places of them because we <laughs> did like the same thing where we would just bounce, we would just bounce back and forth. So the year they won, we came third, uh, and then the year before that they came like middle of the pack, and so did we. And then last year that really felt that really felt the bits, and they did they came like or something like that and we did it awful um so we're kind of in a bit of a rebuilding year we had a rough year last year but we did really well the year before that so we're kind of trying to catch that lightning in a bottle again to do well kind of the impossible for a small country and have a team that just is better than some of its parts um so you say like go team scotland team denmark these things are coming across like what are teams like how do they form um, is there some kind of like charter you have to sign? Is there some kind of like weird blood drive that you have to be a part of? <laughs> yeah. Um, oh yeah. Okay. So I'm just going to cut it, edit it at that part and just like leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's pretty fair. Um, yeah, you have to donate blood to Ishik Belul once a month, um, that he can use to make terrain with. <laughs> it's uh, how no, GW so funnels your blood for the blood god paint. It's not actual paint. <laughs> it's just the blood of WTC the historic players. way to get to become just Team, team Scotland. Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're the only ones who's being farmed for our yeah. blood because we have the largest blood. And it's just like, let me answer the fucking question. <laughs> no, I don't really. Like I refuse. <laughs> um. Okay. The basic way that you become a captain in the past used to be that you were the first person from your country to post on the Warhammer forum back when that was a thing. Um, so if you were the first person to post that I want to be the Scottish captain, you were the Scottish captain. And you could never be replaced ever, ever, ever. It was not possible. There was no no framework to remove you. Real similar to buying Nova tickets over here where just you sit and refresh <laughs> over and over again until you hope it comes up. Yeah, pretty much, except it wasn't like a once-per-year thing. It was, you are the Scottish captain, you are now always the Scottish captain until you willingly give it up yourself. No one could take it from you. Um, so that's how, like, you have some captains that are still in the role after having done it since, like, fantasy. Uh, which is impressive, I'll give them that. They have gripped the iron of power well. Um, so <laughs> each, team the is, rod. each team is different. Um, so most countries have gone through some kind of process since then. Um, so for example, we have a charter where every year we, anyone can run for captain of Scotland and then the last two years playing teams get to then vote to say, we would like this person to be the captain. Um, I believe Northern Ireland, for example, just, uh, every captain 
has maximum of one year, and then someone else from the previous year's team gets picked. Uh, and you can never be the captain for more than one year in a row unless there's no one else wants it. Um, I know America and England, for example, both pretty much just run with the captain is the captain until they give it up. Uh, so each country varies, and ultimately your best bet is going to be to reach out to your local community to find out how your captaincy situation is picked, if it's something that interests you. So, I mean, how how popular is WTC over there? Like, obviously, like, Danny and I are super insulated, uh, one, being in America, two, uh, not, I, I want to say this for you, Danny, but not being part of the continental U.S., um, how popular is WTC as a format part over of the there? US. It's part of the um, no part of the continental U.S. Right, Danny. We are part of the con- Jesus fucking fuck you, <laughs> fuck your bullshit. But you're not attached. I actually sent an angry email to a company saying that we were part of the continental U.S. this week. I know yeah. we're just not contiguous United States. No. I don't understand what these words mean. They sound like you're just saying the same thing in different words. So continent. <laughs> All right, this is <laughs> what I mean. I know we're talking about Warhammer. And we're all excited about 40k, but continental means you're a part of the continent of America. So because Alaska is on the ass North America Canada, specifically. Alaska is off to the side of the bottom left next to Hawaii. Oh, <laughs> fair. It's fair. an island. Shit, you okay. got it. You got, got us em. on that one. Uh, contiguous uh, means you're part of the mainland and not uh, not not like you have to be connected. You're connected. So like, you don't have to go through another country to get there. Yeah. So like Alaska and Staten Island are basically the same level of importance. Fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would I say mean, yeah, I'm probably important. And, and Lonely Island raps about me. Um, but yeah, like how popular is WTC as a format? Because again, this is just something um, we've started hearing about from like you talking about, um, and obviously kind of like uh, your captaincy and all that other kind of, and you're very involved in in the WTC process. Um, like so, in previous years, the format was a lot more popular because it was kind of all we had as an alternative. You either played Games Workshop book missions or you played at the time the ETC format, which was using the twenty nil scoring system, which is basically a differential system. So uh, just to quickly run down this, at the moment we're playing a five-point differential, so if you win the game by, say, like zero to five points of margin, so you, John scored 100 points and Danny scored 95, that would be a 10-10 draw. You would both get 10 points from the game, you would go home happy. Fuck if, yeah, take that, Danny. If, John, if, But then say if Danny had scored 90 points and John had scored 30 points, that's a 60-point difference. That's then a 20 nil, which means that Dan would get all the points from the game and John would go home with nothing. That's, and that's... then it's various sliding scales between that. So every five-point bracket is a certain point. So, for sure. example, my most recent game I played, I won 16-4 because I had a 31-point margin of victory. And, and that system was wrong. developed to support fantasy, right? Yeah, right, it was developed right back in the day for fantasy, and we've just kind of been yep. adapting it since uh, because we find that it works really well. It's not a win-loss draw format. You could absolutely win a tournament with, like, four wins and one loss and come higher than somebody that went five wins, because margin of victory is all that matters. Uh, and that's done so that for team scoring, we can have, like, uh, games that matter, but the, each game doesn't contribute too much to the overall score, so you didn't have, like, a, a 100-0 game that contributes more than a game that went, like, 50-60, to 60, where they're, contrib- they're capped on how much they can contribute to the overall score. It works for singles events as well. Uh, some people don't like it because you can get stuff like what happened in 2018 LGT, where Reese uh, Reese Robbins went five and zero and came like a hundredth just because his margin of victory was so low in all the games. And typically, to like win loss draw format players, that's not as appealing. Uh, it's just something that we've gotten used to over the years and something that we don't mind. So the format definitely used to be more popular in the past when ITC wasn't a thing in sort of like seventh edition and early eighth edition. 
as ITC has become a thing, people have grown towards that format quite a bit. So we sort of see a split where there's a lot of ETC or WTC practice events still happen in the UK, which will use that format. But then also just a lot of independent events will now just use the ITC format because it's easier and people know what to expect. For us personally in Scotland, any Team Scotland events that we run are going to use the WTC format because it's what we're preparing for. So, I mean, we've seen this since like 6th edition, 7th edition, when Frontline Gaming came in and kind of launched the ITC as a way of balancing and making competitive a game that was in no way balanced or competitive. How has that kind of subsequent rise where we've gone from kind of like little hinky dink events to thousand people tournaments in Vegas every year, how has the rise of ITC like affected the course of WTC? Um, it's definitely pushed us to become bigger and more sort of centralized. Back in like ye olden days, we did we had the olden days of like twenty seventeen. Jesus, uh, that was so long ago. Remember when you could hug I people? Know, right? we didn't have um we didn't have streams we didn't really broadcast the results you kind of had to go delving into a forum post to find somebody's write-up to find out where your team had placed um so since sort of 2018 and 2019 both had pushes to sort of get the streaming online start publicizing our results we've got a podcast now with wtc squadcast which is run by the guys from the honest wargamer and the wtc hosts themselves we're sort of the what ITC has pushed us to do is to realize that there are more people out there who care about competitive 40k and that we as a community were very insular and it was very difficult to find out information even now our website has only been around for just over a year uh, and not everybody knows about it it's not super popular just because the way the world has been at the moment it's uh, difficult to generate hype for an event that might not be happening in 2021 uh, that would be worldteamchampionships.com by the way I figured you'd put it in the show notes if you have those. Dude, I barely edit. You think I have show notes? <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. <laughs> Don't put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. You um, could put it in the YouTube description box. Like, <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I'll put it in there. <laughs> like mog rules. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the, the big drive from the ITC has been to realize that we needed to become more professionalized. We needed to be more available. Um, and that was part of what drove the split from the ETC was that we didn't have the structures in place with the combined setting of having all of the other teams where we had to run decisions that we wanted to make specifically for 40k through all the teams. That was part of why we split off, so we could pick venues that were more suited to us, blah, blah, blah. Oh, so, so they were running, like, fantasy shit through you guys, and they'll be like, hey, we want to do this for 40k, and some guy with, like, a bunch of Skaven is like, no. Yeah, pretty much. So we, we, I believe one of the big drivers for the split is we wanted to authorize a team Greater China, which would have been like a combination of players from China, Taiwan, and a couple of other places uh, that wanted to bring a team along. But because of the way the national format worked, you had to have four players from one country. Mm-hmm. So because that was a, a team thing where it was like, it wasn't specifically 40k, we wanted to approve this way of making teams. We had to run that through all of the ETC body and they didn't agree with that, so we had to, we couldn't have allow this team to come along, and that was one of the drivers of the split, along with wanting to have like better options for streaming and being able to have a smaller venue because we didn't have to fit six game systems into one hall. We just had to fit forty k in now, uh, and that made it more more possible for us to pick venues based on whether we could get streaming, hotel availability, accessibility for forty k players, so, uh, and terrain as well, because games like fantasy and stuff like that just don't have as much terrain burden as forty k does which meant this yeah. system that we had in place through the ETC didn't work for us. So, I mean, you guys split off, and you had, like, giant plans for 2020, uh, and then, you know, you, you brought along Honest Wargamer, who has just, like, a world-class streaming setup. 
uh, and that knowledge to, to kind of really kind of bring you guys to the forefront. And then, you know, as with everything else, COVID happens. Um, what kind of was the discussion between you guys? Like what, what happened and kind of what are your plans for the future going forward with that? Um, so for pretty much everybody, we made the decision back in, I want to say, February, March to just not go ahead with this year. It was already being kind of slapped together because we had split off from the main event kind of midway through the process. And we decided to stick with the same venue. So we're still going to Austria this year if it runs. And we've just had an extra 18 months to prepare. So we've had the train is all getting built. Everything was pretty much ready. Most teams are in the process of selection. So Scotland picked our team back in October uh, and we went with six of the eight players from last year and then picked two new players. Uh, I know America did a team freeze. Uh, England's picked a whole new team. Everybody's just kind of, we've just taken an extra year to prepare. We're just going through the same process. Uh, it sucks that we didn't get to see everybody because there's a bunch of people that I only see at WTC once a year and not getting to see them is difficult um, because, you know, you get used yeah. to the idea that you're going to go out every year. You're going to see everybody from Canada and Finland and Australia once a year. And that's kind of it. Um, but we're just hoping, we're building for bigger and better this year. Um, the streaming setup should be fantastic. The coverage should be much better than it's ever been. We're really looking forward to seeing what we can bring to the community because we won't be able to care about the WTC. Uh, every every country in the world, pretty much, that has a significant 4K presence has a WTC team, and we'd like everybody to be on board supporting them. We would love you guys to be root, sitting back there rooting for the American team, the guys in England rooting for the English team, and just knowing about it. And if you don't know it's there, you can't do that, really, can you? No, absolutely. And I gotta say, I totally agree with you. Like yeah. for me, like I, the thing that bummed me out about most about like uh, LVO being canceled wasn't necessarily the prospect of going three and three over like two incredibly tiring days. But it's kind of well, like you're going to improve your win rate by fifty percent. Hell yeah, yeah! I'm not going two and four next year. I'm going three and three, son. Um, but it was kind of like all of, all of the friends you make along the way because like the great thing about like the internet in modern times is like my 40k community is no longer like the people I used to meet at Games Workshop Aberdeen on a Wednesday night to play fantasy. It's it's the world, right? So like part of the fun of going to these things is meeting all of these people you talk to like just online. Um. There's a term that I, that I heard a bunch that I kind of wanted you to explain a little bit, but you, you know, you talked about how, you know, each country picks its best players and does all the other kind of things. Uh, tell me about Mercs, because that's something that came up as kind of like a giant dirty word, uh, a lot kind of from the very vague things I read about WTC this year. Yeah. So a mercenary, let actually, let me try. When you pick a WTC team, there are, there is basically one requirement, which is that you have a minimum of four players that represent your country, which we use regulations based on the FIFA regulations. So you have to have either lived here for three years, lived in your country for three years as an adult, have been born in that country, or have a parent or grandparent who was born in that country. So it's not the most strict restrictions in the world, but for some countries like, uh, so for example, Argentina sent a team in 2019, they only could get four players from Argentina, so they had four mercenaries who are people who they basically said, we would like people to come and play for us because we have got a national team, but we can't bring eight players. And for a lot of countries, it makes sense. Australia, traditionally, I think, used to bring a few, one or two marks. Uh, Scotland's been a team that used to bring a marks because we didn't have a big enough community to support bringing eight players on a fairly expensive trip to Eastern Europe. Um, the controversy last year was that England, which is one of the biggest 40 communities in the world, Bastards. really felt like they couldn't find an eighth player uh, they they looked they checked their entire country and there wasn't a single person who could get to uh, who could get to Serbia in in uh, August. 
and they, they looked around and they they had their two coaches who were both English and they looked they were like no those guys those guys can't make it they can't play they they forgot their armies we'll have to bring Nick Danavati that dirty bastard uh, and, cut wow. the line of no no offense to uh, to Nick or England because I get why they made the decision they did they really wanted to win and they did but they just they made the decision that their desire to win required them to bring a mark um, so that's kind of been the dirty word is that teams that are just trying to build a super team like you could theoretically just bring four Americans and then grab like four of the best players from England or Russia or Canada off the street and be like this is Team America and we kind of wanted to dissuade that as a community so we put in mark restrictions that now marks have to be approved by the WTC like um, community like leadership uh, so like the head refs and the, the TOs and stuff like that all have to, have to now approve mercenaries man it's a real global so gym like situation yeah, it's not a it's not a bad thing. Like marks aren't a dirty word, but bringing a mark when you could have brought a homegrown player is heavily disincentivized. I do find it very hard to believe that in England, the the home of Warhammer, um, and it's kind of the place where it's developed and grown the most. At a place where, like, you have a London GT that gets uh, you know a couple hundred players in there that they couldn't find eight people willing to go to Serbia on a Ryanair flight. There were only se- there were only seven people in the country that played 40k that year. Like nobody else. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you? Uh... Like I definitely know that they sent at least a message. <laughs> like sorry guys, we tried. We just got straight to voicemail. We better just ask Nick. Um, so what are, what are your goals for 2021? For for so Team Scotland, uh, Captain Innes looking to take you back to the highs of 2019 and beyond, or I guess 2018 because 2022 doesn't 2019 count. 2019 was bad. <laughs> well, I guess beyond the high of 2019 <laughs> too. Uh, like, what are your goals for 2021 for the the WTC? So as a team, we set the goal of trying to get back into the top ten. Uh, we're on a rebuilding year. We have four players this year, three players who have. All, who have not played, been selected for the team before. Um, two of them were or selected for the playing team. We have two guys that came along as as like last minute replacements for 2019, uh, but didn't have the opportunity to go through the whole process. They just uh, it was kind of like uh, we had somebody that couldn't make it because uh, they they had just had a kid and some something else that had come up, uh, and they were like, okay, we need two people to come in last minute and replace. So uh, Simon and James came on board for us and did their best, uh, and they both did really well for the time they were given. But we didn't have a team that was prepared that year. Um, So those two, and we also have uh, one of my club mates, Dave, has just joined the team. Um, They were all supposed to play in 2020. Obviously, that didn't happen. So none of them have gone through the process of building armies and preparing and practicing before. So the goal is to get them experience, and then hopefully for twenty twenty one, for twenty twenty two, we'll have a team that is ready set to try and push for that top for that top one. So, um, but this year is a rebuilding year. We're looking to try and get that top ten. What does practice look like for you guys? Because I know, like for for me, like practice is just playing like a shitload of games against a bunch of different things. Is it like real similar for you guys, or do you get to look and see, hey, this is the new hotness list wise. Let's play against that, or kind of what what's practice for for your team? It, varies depending on the stage of year we're in so during this time where we are just playing on like tts and things like that it's just kind of we've given everybody a bunch of armies and we've said go and experiment with these and find what works for you at the moment as we get into sort of next year where we're preparing for the wind up for six nations which is our uh inter uk and uh, belgium tournament where we just we all get together and we do a practice weekend where we play a five-round tournament with the team rules 
uh, and then we don't tell anybody what happened or what list we played so that we can keep it secret. Good, keep it safe. Um, yeah, keep it secret, keep it safe. Um, we'll start doing specific list practice where we'll say, okay, this list is what we think we're going to run for Space Marines. Let's run this through the gauntlet of what are the best metalists at the moment? What should we be expecting? Um, the difference for practice for us is that, and, sorry, and then the third stage will be once we have the WTC list document where we can see the other 400 lists is that we'll say, okay, we don't understand this list. Let's play against it a couple of times and see what it does. Oh, uh, sure. We'll just, someone will proxy it up. How long do you guys have? Like, what's the list submission like time cut off? Normally about a month. Uh, so we normally submit somewhere between like five and six weeks before the event and we get it, we, we get the list document that day. Uh, and then we have like a couple of weeks to go through list checking and then we have about a month before the event, bet- um, between two weeks and a month. Let's now, Ennis, can you tell me a little bit about like list building skew while we're talking about that because that's kind of an important part of of like the team format as well yeah sure and that was part of what i was going to talk about with practice oh perfect hey look at good transition then Um, sorry so the thing that you have to remember with the wtc is that the goal isn't always to win a game because you're going to play eight games in a round each game contributes 20 points to the overall score and you need to get as a team to 86 points to win the round so you need 86 of the 160 which is slightly more than half between 75 and 85 is a draw, and then less than that is a loss, obviously. Your goal as a team is to get across that line, but the average that you need across your games is slightly less than 11 out of the, eleven out of 20 points from each game, which means that you can build lists that are specifically designed to just lose, but not by that much, or only just win, and sometimes only just lose, but you aim for that like 8 to 12 band where... You're not losing by too much, you're not winning by too much. And then you try and go for the big wins in some matchups or you go for the, the 18, 19, 20s with your Space Marine list or your Harlequins or whatever. And... Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, John. No, no, um, you're good. No, sounds good. The difference in list design is that you don't necessarily have to get that win. So you can run a list that's like, to use a previous example, 210 play bearers. Yeah, where the sole point is to stand stand on objectives and exist until the end of the game, where your opponent has hopefully bored themselves and clocked out, rolling mm-hmm. tape, rolling dice against you, and then you come back and you look at the score and oh look, I lost, but I only lost seven thirteen, so I I get to put seven points to the back of my team against this list that anyone else on our team would have lost twenty nil to. Um, so skew lists are basically saying we're going to take this to another extreme where there are no requirement is that I rock up and I just get given the random luck of the draw in the parents. I don't have to play it like a singles event where I might show up round one and have to play against uh, I've brought white scars that can't kill knights and I've showed up and I'm playing knights in round two. What a shame. Um, there's not, there isn't any of that. You are always in full control or at least partial control as a team of pairing. So when you get a bad matchup, your team knows it's a bad matchup and is accounting for that in the, in the scoring for the, for the round. We know that Danny has got a terrible matchup in this round and he's not probably going to bring very many points back. Anything he brings back more than his expectation is just more the better. But because you can control that, you can sometimes just say, all right, we are going to bring 150 demonettes and 150 gaunts, and those are two horde lists, and all we will do is if our opponent defends with a list that can't kill hordes, we say, all right, pick one of these to lose to. Right? Because we will never have to play into the guy that brought the brought eighteen aggressors. It just doesn't happen. And if it does, we can write it off and say, "Okay, we knew this would happen," and hopefully that means we've got a good matchup elsewhere. So that's kind of what skew means, where you can you can do that on a team level, you can do that on a list level. So like, we, for example, you could bring two horde lists, or you could bring eight, and you could just say, 
two of these will lose to the other team's anti-hoardless, and the other six will win games and will win rounds that way. Or you do that with elite armies, or you could do it with in smaller events like a four-man team event. You could do four super heavy lists, right? And just sure. they will not have enough lists that can kill super heavies on this margin that we will win more rounds than we lose. Yeah, that's 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 a fair point. So, so there's that approach. Does anybody is that pretty much the approach that all teams take then? Is to oh, kind of go skew heavy? Absolutely yeah, okay. not. You can okay. The the trick with it is finding a balance, right? between balanced lists and skew lists. You've got to have some lists that can just do anything, right? You've got to have a list sure. that you can put down and say, go and find us that 8 to 10 points. And that's where the practice comes in, and I'll talk to touch on that in a minute. Um, mm -hmm. You will have some lists that are just like, this is a normal 40k list that you would expect to see at a tournament with maybe like some minor tweaks for concessions to the format, right? Where you say, okay, I need, some, I need to be slightly less heavy on the aggression or slightly more heavy on infantry just because the terrain's heavy or something like that. Or I know I'm going to have board choice, and I'm always going to try and play on the light boards, which means I can bring more of a shooting suit, right? That You get like that individual micro thing in this list, but most lists will be fairly normal lists, that you will just have that little skew one way or the other, and then you'll have a couple of lists that are very heavily skewed. You don't normally see a team that will just bring eight full skew lists. It sometimes happens, but it tends to be more of a gimmick thing. Yeah. The team is just trying to cheese a few wins rather than winning on fundamental. Uh, what you do see is lists that are balanced in a way that wouldn't work in a singles event. Like um, we saw in 2019, for example, the 20 Mega Knobs and 90 Gretchen list. That you couldn't really play in a singles event because it just had a few bad matchups. But it had some, some, it worked as a balanced list in a format where you could make sure that it didn't play the very worst skew lists for it. Or, uh, for example, that year I played uh, 80 Kraken Steelers which was too many for singles, but for a team event where I could play mostly anything other than the very, very worst of the bad matchups in singles play, it worked in a way that it wouldn't in singles. So you can kind of see the list that yeah. would normally be like gatekeepy lists or four-on-one lists in a singles event because you can avoid the one matchup that you lose still work in a team event as being some of the best lists just because being a four-on-one list and a five-on-all list isn't much of a difference, but it's enough to matter at a singles event, but not enough to matter at a team event where you have a better matchup so what is, is there like lists or people like you save for last? Like you, you put these people up first and all is like as part of the pairings. Like what style of list do you save for like the last where you put it down or like fuck you, I don't care what you put against it? So that would be sort of like the balance list. Um in ex for for example, what we do is we create a we call it what's called a pairings matrix where we sit down and we have a big Excel spreadsheet with our eight players in a line at the top, and then the eight lists for Team Denmark or Team Spain or Team Russia down the other side. And we sit down, and every single one of us looks at every single list in that rules pack or that list pack and says, This is the score I expect to get in that game. And we use a five point scale where it's like a one, a one through a five. So I expect to get 16 plus points, like 12 to 15 points, roughly a draw, small loss, big loss, right? And we will go through every list, and everyone will fill in. There are eight grid. There are eight things in the grid, and that gives us a pairings grid where we look at that and we say, "This is what we expect our matchup with this country to be." So, what you generally try to do is save whoever's got the most green matchups, the most really good matchups for last. So, sometimes that might be a skew list, sometimes it's a balance list, but generally you're trying to position it so that whatever the last thing that goes down is, you have a positive matchup again, and you try to get. We're you're roughly aiming for four good matchups and one medium matchup per round. And then if you get more than that, more is the better. You might just have a good setup into theirs. Uh, and then anything less than that, you're trying to play your way out of a hole. 
Nice. Like that's yeah, that, that's all I can remember. <laughs> with it nice. It's like it's like the 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 level of pregame and kind of like the meta of the entire matchup is like just so damn fascinating to me. Um and it just adds a whole new level of, of like things to think about and, and, and things to plan. Um who would be would you say who is the best at pairings uh for, for WTC or like ETC before? Um so, just in general. I have generally so I tend to help out with the team Scotland pairings, but our um one of our previous captains, Bernard, is like a pairing savant, so we we normally let him do it. Um and then I kind of just sit in the side with my laptop and contribute sometimes. <laughs> You're like, I filled in the spreadsheet. <laughs> I, I, know, I have the spreadsheet open on my iPad. That's, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> and I'll, like, I'll be like, I think this is slightly better than this. And he's like, yeah, but I already have the rest of it mapped out in my head. Like, uh, I've, got, I've, got the, I've got the chessboard on the ceiling. You need to just sit there and accept this. <laughs> um, I would say Josh Roberts, the English captain, is one of the best pairs in the world. Um, and then he had Nick Cannavati on his team last year, who was also very good at it. I know I've heard good things about Sean Naden. Um, his pairings process is very good. They have a very um, mathematical pairings process, I believe. They have like an actual like mathematical system they go through to do it, um, or a program. I'm not 100 percent sure. Oh, those Outside of that, Denmark, cheated. Denmark are very good at pairings. Um, we've struggled with them the last two times we've played them. So those are kind of the teams that stand out to me as having been really, really good. Is England, Denmark, and uh, the USA have all had really good pairings processes. So, so no, go ahead, John. No, no, go. Mine's is more of a wrap-up question than than yours is going to be. I, what I was going to ask, um, oh man, uh, sorry, I lost it. That's it, dude. I'm that's bad. amazing. That that's so on brand for us. I love it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's very, absolutely. It's very I'm insightful. just going to take this opportunity to talk about the practice thing that I keep putting off. Hell yeah, talk um, about the thing you putting off that we don't let you talk about. The so. The one other thing to remember with practice for the WTC is that normally when you play a practice game at home, you're playing, you're planning to win a game, right? You're playing the game with the intent of, I'm going to try and see how I win this game. The other thing with practice for WTC is sometimes you have to say, how do I not lose this game badly? Because that matters too, right? So you might say, for example, John, your list just can't play against... Um, your list just it really can't deal with triple scholar. It's impossible. You don't have a way to win the game. It's too strong. So you might play that game. You might play that game five times with your list that cannot beat that with the intent of how do I get five points out of this game instead of, I don't need to win, I just need to not lose by more than 20 points. How do I play to get that? And we've had situations where like our, in 2018, our Eldar Plains player played against the Custodes guy who sold, who walked into the game and sat down across from, from Ricky and said, my goal is to get one point and I'm going to do everything in my power to not get tabled by you because that was a 20-0. And the guy put his entire army in deep strike and just picked one ruin and deep struck everything one per turn into this ruin until the end of the game. And he just sat on one objective out of the six. And at the end of the game, he kept the count of the score and he got one second point. <laughs> and he was like, I am very happy. You know and it's like, due to the mental fortitude to sit there and do that for an entire tournament is horrifically difficult. I think you just got to get wailed on and stand in the game and just not get rolled. I think that's a really important skill to learn, though, right? Like, even outside of the WTC format, is like looking across the table, and there's going to be times you look across the table, apart from maybe, like, the top 10% of players who look at an army and be like, okay, there's no way I can win this game. 
And just having that kind of mental fortitude to be like, how can I maximize my loss? Because even in like yeah, a format like tiebreaker points, right? Right. Like even like a format like ITC, the loss points matter. Like if you're two and one or, or like, and you're like trying to beat another guy who's two and one, like you have to maximize your points in there. And it's a really underrated skill is learning how to lose as, as little as possible. Um, and it's yeah, like, and I think for some people it's not important because if you've not, if there's a lot of people, if you're not winning the tournament, they don't care if you came fourth or eighth. Right? Sure. It's not a big deal. If you're fighting for the ITC points, I get it, like kind of, but it can be draining. Like, it can be really difficult to sit there and say, I am going to play this game like a complete coward because like, you're already at the event. You kind of just want to have some fun. I get it that it sucks, and WTC is rough for that because you've got to play this for eight games plus the singles tournament, potentially, if you play that. Um, and doing it for the entire time is hellishly hard sometimes. Uh, I've had games that you just like, because we used to play four-hour rounds, and you would just play four hours of I can't make a mistake at all this entire game or I lose. Oh my god, this is horrible. Um, <laughs> so for singles events, I get it where you just kind of say, all right, I lost my round four. I'm just going to play like, I'm just going to do stupid stuff in my round five. Uh, and like, yeah, you maybe you'll lose, but you've got that one in that one in 20 that you hit the rules to, to win the game and you get to go four and one instead of three and two, right? Or you're fighting for that three and two bracket and it's like, do I really care if I come 20th instead of 25th? Not really, probably. So it can be difficult. It's one of those things that you just kind of have to work on. And if you really care about improving your game, it's how to, it's definitely how you do that. Just get good by losing harder. I'm going to say it's going to be something that a lot of our listeners and a lot of uh, competitive players don't like to hear, but y'all probably aren't going to be top 10 of any kind of competitive league. Um, so learning how to kind of like maximize losses and kind of even looking at a game and be like, okay, I'm not going to win this, but what can I learn from this is like such an important skill to take. Um, there's like a, yeah. a big dislike for me for people who show up, lose round one, and then just quit because they're done with it. Like there's at least two more games where you could learn from, from the rest of that there. Ugh. Yeah. Hey, so, all right. Yeah, so I remember my question. Sorry, yes. I'm on top of it. Hell yeah. All right. So like, and this revolves around, uh, like rating matchups, right? Um, kill yourself. You have to kind of have like a hot, <laughs> thanks John. Oh, that was me. Like a high with, level pl- of with, with pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Kelsey uh, I got to meet him in my inbox today. Um, anyway, uh, so you have to have a high level of confidence in the other players in your team when they decide to make rankings. Is that is that the case, or do you guys kind of go over it as a group and talk about? Absolutely. What do you think matches up well with other things? One of the key things. So the way that we normally do this is that we will everybody will do their own on their own. And then once we have our round one draw and our round two draw during lunch and our round three draw overnight and blah blah blah, we will all sit and as a team we will go through all the lists again and refresh our pairings for that matchup. But we need to have that as a baseline against all the teams so that if we rock up and we don't have time to go through lunch because our round ran long or whatever, that we have something to work with. But sure. yeah, we 100% we go through all of the parents again and we just say, I think you're wrong because of this, because you don't understand this about the matchup. Like, you didn't know where Pencha could advance and charge. You need to refresh that pair. <laughs> so it's but not like absolutely... a situation where you have like your team, your your team skull and team member, Dave, who's just like, Dave, fuck you. Uh, you get this worst matchup. Uh, we're going to go do these things. Yeah, no, you absolutely have to have that level of confidence. And it's a big problem that a lot of teams have is that people will. 100% under-report how well they think they'll do in a matchup. 
we we have this tendency where people are either a hundred percent confident they're going to twenty nil someone and just absolutely smash them, or they lose. There is no in between. There is never like a small win. But people will never say that they're going to twenty nil. They will always say they're going to sixteen four, so they don't set expectations too high. And then they will either say they sixteen four or they lose. That's it. Um, and people are very bad for that, especially like. And then when we have our coaches going around during round one, round, like during the first couple of battle rounds, we'll be like, right, how's your game going? Everyone either says they're smashing or they're losing. Nobody says this is a small win or a small loss. It's always I'm going to get tabled or I'm going to table this guy, and it leads to a lot of decisions where like you go through and you're like, Chris is sitting there looking at his scores like six of my tables are losing zero or getting zero, and six of my tables and two of my tables are getting twenty. I need to go tell the tables that are getting zero to try harder. <laughs> I was going to say, then, like, <laughs> it's almost like a, a a real handicap for Team Scotland because anytime I would imagine you would ask a Scottish player how they were doing, it would always be like, "Oh, I'm going to lose like zero the whole time." Yeah, pretty much. We're we're bad for that, and I don't know how <laughs> other teams handle it, but uh, we are really bad for. Chris will go around and he'll be like, right, four of our tables have told me they're getting smashed, two of our tables are doing okay, and two of our tables are smashing. I just go and tell the tables that are doing okay, they need to push to smash their opponent, because the other four tables are losing. They'll go, they'll go and try and go for a play, go for like the big, like, the, the nine-inch charge off and with no reroll, and they'll fail it, and they'll be like, oh, I was on for a 16, but I went for this play, and now I'm getting six. And they'll be like, alright, okay, that's bad, but we were losing anyway. And then they'll go to the four tables that said they were getting zero, and they'll be like, no, we were fine, we're fine. I got 10, I got 12. <laughs> and they'll look at me and be like, all right, so we just lost the round because you couldn't tell me that you were going to win the game. And it's like, how could you not tell you were going to win a game on turn two when you were not losing it already? <laughs> and yeah. it's, it's bad. I, so I think that's probably a very hard skill to, to master, though, to yeah, like say to look yeah. at a game and say, like, oh, I think I'm going to win by two. Or win by four, you know, like like those small kind of swings, I could see being hard to judge, like just based on yeah. like when yeah, you're in the game. Which is why, which is why we use bands, right? So we'll say, are yeah. you within the eight to twelve point band? Like, are you going to win or lose by no more than fifteen in the current system? Are you in this the thirteen plus band where you're going to win by you got you've got to win by sixteen to twenty six points, right? Are you in right. that band? And generally, you can tell that on turn one or turn two now. But with like the previous edition, where it was like Maelstrom cards and endgame objectives, it was harder mm-hmm. to tell. So it, sure. which is why we right. drill in repetitions. Yeah, and I mean there hasn't been a ninth edition WTC yet. There has not. No, obviously there's been like four ninth edition tournaments total. So right, fair, fair. No, uh, but we did a, we did a team event in Scotland back in September where we did three man teams and we used a twenty nil system and it was it was easier because you had to fill out a score sheet as you went. Whereas in previous mm-hmm. systems, you kind of didn't have to do that right. because you could just pile up your Maelstrom cards in a, in a pile and then you would count end game at the end. Well, uh, and so like IPC really... was different than that, right? Like where we were counting points throughout the game. Yeah, absolutely. But obviously, so, we would never use the IPC system. Of course. I, and standards. I would never suggest such a thing. No. We have standards. So I will say, <laughs> like, speaking of that, Danny, I think every single one of our games that we've had this year. Um, I have accurately within two points guessed my total my total point score against you. Like by turn within two, two points. yeah, by turn two, I've accurately within two points guessed my turning against you. <laughs> and that's actually I... one of the things, John, that we're trying to get our players to do this year as part of our like development process mm-hmm. for getting good is that we're having every we're going to be having everybody at the start of a game write down on a piece of card what you think the score is going to be. Or like not like the the actual score. Like I think it's going to be a ninety-two twelve, right? But like the twelve, the twenty-nil score. Write that down on a card, and then at the end of the game, when you come back to feedback into the chat about how your game went, tell us what you thought the score was going to be, what the score was, 
and why it wasn't that? Was it because you mis misvalued the pairing? Did you think that this was going to be a good gap matchup and it wasn't? Or did you go for the win when you should have played for the draw? That kind of thing. Holy shit, you're talking uh, in corporate trainer to language. I'm getting so excited by that talk. That sounds I like, amazing. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and obviously, th- dice are not a valid excuse. Get good. Uh, by the oh yeah so so like real talk that's like one of the things like when i first met danny that's like one of the first things like i stole from danny is like he would ask me how my game went and i would be like oh yeah my dice went to shit i'm like no no don't blame dice well what happened is like yeah i played really badly i deployed badly and like when you can get past blaming dice and look like because yeah it's a dice game and dice are gonna fuck you sometimes but it's like did you deploy right? Did you move right? Did you hide your guys? And kind of, if you don't allow yourself to blame dice, it opens your mind to like a lot more things that could be wrong or like things yeah, you could improve sure. on. I've got one game that lives rent free in my head from 2019 <laughs> where I needed three CP to double fight. Um, <laughs> and I was playing, I was playing a Gene Circle opponent and I had rolled a one on my Vect and had to CP reroll it. So that oh. CP, and he had rolled a six on his vect and cost me two CP. And if not, if one of those two things hadn't happened, I would have won the game about sixteen. And instead, I won eleven nine, and that cost us the round. And that lives rent free in my head because I would sit there and I'm like, I know that I shouldn't blame the dice for this because I could have played oh. it better. But yeah. you're fucking kidding me. One in thirty six to to win the round if we didn't. <laughs> hey Danny, when is the time that dice has fucked you in a game that you can't look past it? Uh, I can't think of a 40k game off the top of my head. I, was gonna say you I have will like... bitch about the game I played against you, like, <laughs> like maybe, maybe you won uh, that like game a couple months ago. Uh, but that was just a lot of that was just a lot of good saves on your part. That was that was pretty dope. Um, <laughs> just but for no, some, like just, not since I was gonna say just for some background, and it's like we got together to play 40k like about I think a month ago at Danny's place. Um. I have my death guard against Danny's Necrons. Um, I think Danny winched about this in the chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Danny, like Danny won at the end of the day, but we were so salty at each other by the end of turn two because he refused to stop <laughs> hitting me with fucking shots, and I refused to stop <laughs> saving. And then when I hit him with things, like he um, he made his invulnerable saves for like three out of six multi or four out of six multi-mounta shots but the two shots that went through did like 11 damage so (laughs) (laughs) so it was just a good time of good friends just getting really shitty at each other because little cubes of plastic decided that we have a a a player in our community who was on the team who loves who loved death watch in eighth edition and it was his entire thing was he played death watch and his storm shields would refuse to fail saves (laughs) <laughs> and then he would fail. He would fa- he would roll like twenty saves and pass nineteen of them, right? And then he would take the next two, and he would fail one CP roll into a fail and get shitty because he had failed two saves out of two. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but it's like you just passed nineteen out of twenty and then failed two out of two. Wow, that's almost like less than average. And he'd sit there and he'd be like, "I just failed two saves with the CP roll." I'm like, so Tim, Tim, you failed. You failed two saves. There's a quote-unquote local player because he lives in Fairbanks, but he plays Tyranids. Danny, you already know who I'm talking about. Um, but he went five and one at LVO. Did did Micah go five and one at LVO? 
Yeah, Micah went five and one at LVO with this Tyranid army that I'm was just. So, I'm so bitter about that because like so fucking. My dream is to go five and zero, oh, and like he one shots it on his first try with like this bizarre fucking Tyranid bizarre list, list that shouldn't work. And all he did was the advice I well, give for Tyranid, my shitty. I that. The, it's the advice I give for like a shitty coaching service was just just don't fail saves, and he spent five rounds just not failing saves and one round failing saves. And like after he lost his one game, which I think was his last round, um, after he, he was just bitching. No, it was the shadow round. Oh, the like shit. The, uh, no, no, I mean, not the real shadow round, but like the, the one that got delayed by four hours. Yeah. Yeah. Game three. He was like bitching so hard that he lost. Yeah. And like, what happened? To, I just couldn't make a fucking save, man. I couldn't make a four up. And we're like, shut up. It was really, <laughs> No, he was like, I I only made like fifty percent of my four plus saves. I, I was like, you're only supposed to make fifty percent. Why can't of I just roll above average? Oh man, Micah, I love you, uh, and I always yeah, have fun same. with you. But man, roll uh, roll, roll worse, fun. roll worse. But there are there are definitely those games where you're like, you know that you should sit and look at the game and be like, all right, how could I how could I have played this better? But you just you sit there and you're like. Yeah, but that one dice roll that really fucked me, I'd have won if it wasn't for that. And I know I could have won other ways as well, but that one really gets you. Like my uh, my game on N- I game at NEO where I had to fast a 5 or a 6 of a rollable charge and failed both. And I like I know I could have played that game better. I sat and I watched the stream back and I wrote notes on it and I and I and I did all that. But could I not have just made the fucking charge? <laughs> yeah. My worst one was LVO 2018. I was playing the friendly tournament because I wasn't try hard then. Um, but if I passed my leadership check, I would have come third in the friendly tournament and I failed. So I came like 12th and like, I was just so, okay. I'm exhilarated that a game is so close. It comes down to a single dice roll, but I'm really pissed yeah. off that it did not come out you of my favorite. Dice roll. Yeah. <laughs> just, just <laughs> dice games. Man. A, a great ETC story from uh, back in the day for England where they had, uh, one of the guys charged his seer council into two necron warriors bounced completely oh, yeah. the two necron warriors punched back did a wound to a guy the the uh, seer council double sixed its leadership check one oh, not yeah, its advanced necron rolled a six and ran down the seer council <laughs> with two necron warriors <laughs> and you kind of just had to you kind of just you hear the story and you're just like how could that and the guy lost loses the game and I think England lost the round off of it and the captain goes over and is like, why did you do something so risky? <laughs> like, it's not risky. Oh, dice games. So I guess I That's think hilarious. the only thing to do to wrap up here uh, would be to be like, if someone was interested in the WTC format, how do they get more involved? How do they help you grow? How do they help this like amazing team format happen? Because, yeah, like I think, like I said, Danny and I have played the same six missions for ITC for like four years uh, across like three editions. If, if someone's looking for an alternative way to play, what's the best way they can get involved with WTC? So there are a few really great ways that you can do. The first is obviously to like watch the streams, comment in the chat when it's running. Uh, it'll be running in August. The, the actual date's on the website, but I think it's something like the 8th to the 11th. Uh, you can check worldteamchampionship.com, and that'll give you all the information there. Uh, the stream should be great. Uh, it's been great the last few years when Glasshammer run it. I'm sure it'll be great when the Honest Wargamer run it this year. Another way mm-hmm. is to reach out to your local captain. Um, you can either, you'll probably be able to find your Facebook page. So, for example, ours is Team Scotland 40k. 
I believe Canada's is World Team Championship 4K, uh, Team America 4K. They're, they're all variations of the norm. Um, if you can't find your team, um, you'll probably be able to find something on a forum post or reach out to me. Uh, my uh, You can find me on Facebook, I'm Innes Wilson, and I'm happy to like put you in contact with who your captain is, or you can try and find it yourself. It's not that difficult. They're on forums and stuff like that. Uh, you can find contact lists. But yeah, if you want to if you want to hand with that, just reach out. I'm happy to do it. Happy to give you a hand. Um, and then the last one is if there are WTC players in your area, or there are WTC events running, try just give them a give them a shot. Um, have play some practice games with your WTC team if they're local to you, or if you've got anybody that's like trying out for it. Give them a hand, play the missions with them, help them get repetitions. And if there's tournaments that are running with the format or team events that are playing, go to them. Like just support the community that's trying to do this. Because it's nice to have something that's a little different to ITC. Not everybody wants to play the same way all the time. Uh, and the more people that we've got doing this, the more the more people that are doing it, the more people will want to do it, which will help your team get better over time. And I will say, like as Ennis mentioned earlier, the minimum team size would be four for these events. So if you guys are running team events in your area and you already have a great community of 40k players, uh, considering uh, WTC as an alternative is a great thing to do. Adds an entire new level we've of touch. We've played three-man team events as well. Three-man works just fine. Oh yeah, like uh, you have to slightly re- rehash the pairings process for three, but for four and less, for four or more, it's really really simple. Uh, so- but yeah, it's absolutely. Yeah, it's a great format, um, and as you've kind of heard in this talk about today, like it adds an entire new level of tactical depth, uh, of tactical practice, and the skills you're learning from playing these missions just help you improve overall at 40k as a game. Um, so even if you don't say get onto Team USA or Team England or Danny Campmark for Team Scotland and, and finally be with a good country, um, you can still play these games. <laughs> the WTC packets coming out, I think, to, they have terrain guidelines, right? Of like how terrain yeah, should the be. The WTC packet is already out. The terrain guides are out for uh, if you're looking even just for your own practice games. The terrain format, the terrain format is a great way to like. Um, if you don't know what to do, you're doing with terrain. Try and go with something similar to those. There's like eight different ones you can pick from that are designed for missions specifically. Uh, you can pull from those and try and take some inspiration for your home tables. Uh, we have an FAQ as well for anything that GW doesn't cover. I was reading uh, those. They're quite extensive. They are very extensive. They also ban Invader FAQ Revival, so you should definitely play WTC just for that. And, and well, here's the thing for that as well, right? Because we're looking now at WTC as something similar like we were looking at ITC for like 6th, 7th edition, where we have an edition that isn't necessarily the most balanced, but we have someone who's like willing to step up and make these corrections to help make it more balanced. So where Friendline is maybe taking a little bit more of a backseat uh, and kind of letting the, the creative process flow and let GW do its thing. WC, WTC is kind of stepping in and, and making these additions and these changes and these FAQs. And just because, say, say Sean Naden doesn't want you on Team America, or Ennis Wilson doesn't want you on Team Scotland because the team's full. I don't. I 100% don't want you on Team Scotland. I already have eight players. Please don't message me to be on Team Scotland. Wait, <laughs> that John's going to use his star power to try and get on. <laughs> like, fuck just, out. John, if you want to come out and team. coach or do content for us, you're more than welcome. I have so... Okay, so I am... I, I Okay. <laughs> I would absolutely love to do content to help promote Team Scotland. That, that's my thing, and I will do that, and I will love to do that. But I guarantee there's at least eight people on that team who were far better at 40K than me. Um, I didn't see you get to play. <laughs> <laughs> there's at least... 20 people who are far better at 40k adjacent things than me um but just because these people like for these big name teams don't 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 want you on there doesn't mean you can't play the format and doesn't mean you can't go in there and prove that you are great and get yourself noticed play the format it's 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 really good and and there are team events everywhere right there are either etc uh for 
you don't have to play the WT format to play team events. Go play team events. They're so much fun. You get to play with your teammates. You get to not have to win a game to be contributing, which means that if you suck, you get to just play lists that are designed to draw. Hell yeah. And it's, and That's where you, I'm at. And if you draw, you're winning. <laughs> uh, I'm, uh, play I'm planning on doing so ATC this year. I'm very excited. Yeah. I couldn't even pull yeah, Danny. It's one of the events I would love to make. I couldn't even pull Danny into a team with me. He was too popular for that. Too much of a big name star. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, okay, <laughs> for sure. Uh, Ennis, before we wrap up, is there anything you want to plug? Uh, I know I didn't even get to make a joke about how you are the like uh, to go check out the old Caledonia Death Watch episodes, which is the podcast you used to do, or any forty k podcast oh, worth a worth of salt where they have you as a guest. Um, like all the time. That's why I've not been on Chapter Tactics. We didn't even get to contact like you and talk about you, so you're gonna have to come back, like contractually obligated, to talk about yourself because oh, I that's said out... such a such a threat. I'm really really ashamed of that. I'll have to, I've not done a good enough job to get it done in one. I uh, know. So so <laughs> like okay. So like I would like take a break and come back and talk about you, but we're over an hour now, <laughs> so we can yeah, save it's content. Also like eleven o'clock for you. So hell yeah. No, well we're we're grown ups. Um. But yeah, is there anything you want to plug? Uh, anything you want to talk about before we we kind of wrap um, this up here? Well, for the Alaskans, um, my Twitter is six months and nine hours in the future of you. So that's uh, <laughs> at Innis A. Wilson. Uh, and that's all I really have. <laughs> nice. Nice. Six hours and nine minutes. Uh, so yeah, twitter.com slash Innis A. Wilson. I've also got uh, Team Scotland Warhammer 40k. That's our Facebook page for the Team Scotland team. Do uh, not message him. Just there. <laughs> Or well, you can message there if you're looking for information about like your local team. Okay, or you yeah. can uh, message me personally at Innis Wilson. I'm just Innis Wilson on Facebook. Uh, my picture is terrible, but you will be able to identify it pretty. Oh yes. And that's that's all I've got. I don't have a thing. No, that. you're good. I, I appreciate just honestly, like yes. on a personal level, I appreciate that you keep me grounded um, and remind me where I'm from. Because when I try and get too weird with my jokes, you're instantly there to slap me down, and I really do appreciate that. Um, <laughs> Danny, you have anything else you want to add in there before we wrap this up? Oh, and this is great. Oh, yeah. I'm really glad that we got to have him on. Um, it's been our great pleasure to have you. Thanks so much for coming in and oh, dude, talking yeah. about the team forum. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's such a cool, a amazing thing. Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much. And we'll definitely make you come back on again in the future to talk about yourself in deeply uh, uncomfortable as as ways. As long as it's at 7 a.m. Like, I can't, can't, be doing <laughs> these, uh, can't be doing these other 7 a.m. works for me. Hell no. I can't even tell that it's early, man. You sound very awake. You're doing great. You do. You're doing great. I I got up at 6 o'clock to make sure I was awake for this. (laughs) I used used the mint in my body wash to wake me up. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, great. Uh, We're going to take a break. We're going to come back and then wrap things up. Man, Danny, what an amazing and very long conversation within us. Um, What a great guy. Dude, he's so good. I think the thing I appreciate about him most is that he keeps me grounded um, in the same, in a similar way you do as well, where he never lets me think that I'm better than I am, which is just so useful in this day and age. Um, and then also just he's a really good wealth of knowledge. Um, so definitely if you, I mean, Danny and I are super hyped to start running WTC stuff up here, um, even just with the packet. And Ennis is going to be sharing with us the, the three-man packet so you guys can start running stuff too because when events start coming back in a big way, uh, it's really nice that there are multiple ways to play. So beyond just um, narrative, ITC, and uh, open. Uh, right. 
like just man the whole idea about coaches going from table to table to be like holy shit danny john's fucking it up so hard i really need you to push for that extra four points like Uh, that makes the day or like i was thinking about it like if like we're we're trying to do pairings and we get like our worst player paired up against the other team's best player to knock them out completely because it doesn't matter how fucking good you are you're only scoring like 20 max like just the extra layers make it makes it so so appealing it's really cool i really i really really like the idea of that that like that aspect of it is definitely the most interesting part of the of the whole process like to me. the most interesting part is could you could you imagine like okay we we say we play against like team fairbanks and it's like me you and say taylor uh our friend against maybe say eric and tim and randall uh for for the sake of it right <laughs> for comedic value for, for comedic value and then you have like so tim puts up his like triple lord of skulls he's like yeah i'm gonna wipe the floor with everyone so he just fucking put me up against them he's like oh shit okay well i would win that game anyway it's just it's like the whole idea is just i i love the the extra tactical death that gets added in there and also the other thing i super appreciate is their terrain maps yeah, I, I do too. They I've been using them on TTS for my games, and they've been excellent. So super good, and generally as well, the, the European meta word, most of the WTC stuff is right now, is about six months ahead of us. So if you uh, listen to that WTC <laughs> podcast that Dennis is talking about, you will find out how you're going to lose uh, in six months. It's, it's very exciting. T- time travel. Time travel. Um, yeah, so if you have questions about it, for sure reach out to Ennis. Uh, reach out to your WTC team. Um, but just because you can't make the national team because nepotism, uh, don't let that from stopping you uh, from playing just an amazing mission pack um, and just a really interesting format. For real. Uh, Danny, do you have anything you want to add in here? Hell yeah, I do. Oh, man. Oh, gee, okay. okay. I'm not used to such enthusiasm for this. Wait, <laughs> I got something for this. I got the, the, we got the Danny, do you have anything you want to add to that? <laughs> oh no not to i do i want to talk about something else okay that's great and it, yeah wtc is awesome i'm really into it i really really am all right i gotta queue it up now uh, danny talk about do you james have anything workshop. you want to add today i want to talk about james workshop john you have stuff you want to add <laughs> yeah dude i love that ad so much i've watched it like four times <laughs> I think my favorite thing is I read the article from James Workshop where it was like, oh, Christmas is coming. You should panic. No, the opposite of panic. What's that word again? Um. <laughs> oh, man. It's great. Like the impression the guy does, like of the boss from the IT crowd, like is so spot on. Oh, no, uh, absolutely. And uh, did you see? Uh, th- Sorry, go. Oh, I was going to say, and I love the idea that Games Workshop thinks of thinks of themselves like that, uh, in that people, <laughs> the public perception is that they're run by somebody who's a, who's like a total, <laughs> a total idiot, which is great. Um, like the humor within the humor there is uh, is on point. <laughs> Anecdotal. Yeah. <laughs> um. And then I will say I watched their um their 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 advent calendar style uh, video where it had like the the bugman like the 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 Christmas bugman one, um, uh-huh. and recently in Warhammer community they put up an article where like ten Easter eggs you wouldn't have spotted, and one of them was when the uh, Caradon Overlord's gunship is like shooting at a Lord of Change, 
Uh-huh. Um, the guy's drinking the whole time, so he's like his head back, like solid chugging this brew while he's firing his gun at a Lord of Change. And then Warhammer Community used this term. Let me pull this up here because I will now only use this term in reference to the shooting phase. And I apologize in advance, Danny. Um, <laughs> um, but at 44 seconds in this video, the Brewmaster General is still drinking while gunishing the demons of Zinch that attack his fleet. So I will no longer have a shooting phase. I will have a gunishment phase. <laughs> okay, cool. Which well, you know, I'm when, looking forward to uh, receiving some crime and gunishment uh, as I run a corn army that has exactly one gun. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I love that, and it's it's another great thing they do. Um, uh, the, the Warhammer videos they're putting out in the past few years are just so above and beyond great. And they do awesome. They um, really do. And then Pegastix uh, on Twitter, uh, Laura, her name is at Pegastix. She's the video, one of the video editors there. And the stuff she does is great. And if you follow her on Twitter, I think I've plugged her like a whole bunch. Um, but her conversion she does are just out of this world great. Um, and she gets like inspiration in the weirdest places. So you have like a, a great Wicker Man style, like um, undead army. Uh, you have yeah. like an amazing Nagash. And just, yeah, it's it's great. Was that the one with the woods coming out of it? Yep, it sure was. Yeah, man, that was su- that is such a cool model. Yeah, she does so many cool conversions. Um, but yeah, definitely check it out. Give her a follow if you want kind of just to feel really shitty about your hobby uh, and ability. Uh, uh, she's able to do that there. Uh, what else, good, Danny? Um, no, that's it for me. Uh, I yeah, this has been rad. Hell yeah, it has. Um, and then a sort of like a little inside baseball, but I kind of like our new format where we record and then like we actually do our intro outro like way afterwards. Um, <laughs> it, yeah, it, it opens up a lot. Um, but I will say next episode, I do have our guests lined up. Um, oh. Yeah, yeah. Colin from the Best in Faction podcast is, is going to be joining oh, nice. us. Nice, awesome. Yeah, he's well, going to be, be great. Yeah, he's going to be talking to us. Uh, Colin has done some amazing, amazing things. Uh, not only is he a super good Warhammer player, but he has been the brains behind Charity Hammer, um, which has been like a major thing. Danny attended it last year. Um, but yeah, it's done huge things uh, for for uh, Child's Play, which is one of the great children's charities over here. Um, just donating thousands and thousands of dollars every year and turning our really nerdy hobby into something popular. Uh, and also the host of the Best in Faction podcast, uh, which is a super popular podcast where all fa- uh, all podcasts are available. Um, and he's going to be talking to us about like how he got into 40K and also Charity Hammer and then also Hope Hammer, um, which is a new event he's going to be doing this year um, to kind of spread the love a little bit with his very small select bubble uh, to, to help one of the, the local Washington players with an unfortunate cancer uh, diagnosis to kind of help out a little bit there. So uh, he's it's a great guy. Be an awesome event. Uh, it's going to be an awesome event. It's going to be some great games with some amazing players. They have um, famed line cutter, Nick Nanavati, the bastard who doesn't know how <laughs> bars work and the art of war guys doing commentary. And then what they're going to be doing is looking at lists and then kind of making predictions about where the Ren Robin's going to go. Uh, so there's like lots of cool things you can do and he's going to definitely talk about how you can get involved and how you can help. Um, cause our community is always best when it comes together for, for the benefit of others. But that's going to be uh, two weeks from now. Uh, and then nice. a- after that, if you have people you want us to talk to, let us know. 
Uh, we'll reach out. Uh, most of them might say no. Uh, one or two will say yes. And really, that gets us through to March. So that's all we really mm-hmm. care about. Most of them are probably going to say, who are you? Yeah, that, that's really fair. Um, <laughs> or like, Danny, I didn't know you had a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, and so, oh my God. dude, this is episode 150, uh, which is crazy to me. That uh, is nuts, man. Uh, like Danny, I think you first came on an episode like three or four as a guest, I think pretty early on with a, with, it was yeah. super early. Yeah. Um, and I've been around for most of them, uh, chased off all my other co-hosts. So th- thank you for sticking around. Um, <laughs> we look forward to like another 150 in the future, uh, whether you want Hell to hear yeah. them or not. Um, but yeah, I don't have anything else to plug or talk about. Oh, we have a Patreon. Everyone has a Patreon. It's the cool thing to do. Uh, search for Mob Rules. We're making podcasts. We are uh, not safe for work, so we probably won't show up all that easy. The What you earn for finding us is the ability to give us money. We have three tiers, $1 <laughs> and $5. Uh, the $10 tier um, will send you an email certificate saying that you're best in faction. Uh, you're a specific faction from the ITC, which is the international... Uh, what, what, oh, shit, what did I call it? The International Tabletop uh, Creator Community. Um, but please don't sign up. <laughs> yeah, please don't. Please don't. There's, there's really no need. I start doing stupid shit like uh, making Danny a lord, uh, which by the time <laughs> we next record uh, will be like an actual thing that's going to happen here. Thanks, Patreons. <laughs> <laughs> I did use my own money for that. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, no. Okay. <laughs> use my own. Okay. <laughs> um and then oh yeah thank you uh watchman on our discord who's uh sending me uh, a set of the series three space marine heroes uh, uh oh nice after i told him not to two or three times uh but but thank you anyway uh, i really appreciate that I, i'm excited to get those painted up and letting people hail to the flail which hopefully will be just as good uh, in a couple months here but with that danny do you have anything else you want to add uh no not for me cool dude you went so against character by doing that earlier that i was like whoa <laughs> you will wait something else might be there <laughs> sure you're not talking about fraser are you uh, <laughs> no just milk hell yeah um uh, which is a joint joke uh so <laughs> for for mob rules i've been john i've been danny and we'll see you next time <laughs> <laughs>